Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Conversations with experts in the field of sports today's, you could definitely call him an expert. He's been a successful head coach for quite some time at the college game, has taken two teams to a Final Four, has had a stint in the NBA as a head coach at the Atlanta Hawks, where I got to know him as my first head coach in the NBA, current Oklahoma Sooner head coach, Lon Kruger. Coach, you've got to be excited with college basketball practice and the season right around the corner. How is life in Norman? Yeah, life is good. It's, it's different for sure. Uh, it's a crazy time uh, for everyone. Uh, college athletics, uh, really basketball is kind of hinging on uh, the success of football. And it appears that we're kind of moving in a positive direction with the football season. We've got some uh, hiccups with the uh, COVID testing, but uh, – uh, November 25th is now our first game, and guys are able to practice, and our guys have been pretty, uh, very successful in terms of uh, not testing positive. So we've been able to do some uh, some practicing, not normal, but uh, a little bit more than maybe some other people because we have been, uh, uh, you know, all negatives. But uh, guys are anxious to play, and hopefully we can have a season. You've been a head coach for over 30 years at the college level, and with that type of longevity and the success that you've had, you've, you've seen a lot of changes in the sport, um, probably both positive and negative. What has been the biggest difference in the way the college game has played from the time that you became a head coach to now? Yeah, I think the biggest difference, uh, the, number of, uh, the number of really talented players on each team. I think uh, it's more physical, it's more athletic. Uh, it used to be maybe uh, 30 years ago, each team might have a couple of really good players. But now there's, uh, there's a lot of good players. And there's not many places you can cheat off of one guy uh, onto another. But I think this number of good players on each squad uh, uh, has improved significantly. You have had a chance to coach a number of great players at the college level. But when I look at kind of the resume of the players that you have coached over the years. Two stand out in particular to me, Trey Young, recently. What stood out about those guys? You know, Trey, of course, uh, just an exceptional talent. Uh, he's uh, very fast with the ball. Uh, he's, he's, uh, his, his game has uh, transitioned to the NBA uh, very well in terms of uh, statistically. He scores. He's got a great imagination uh, offensively. He's a very good passer. Uh, he'll consistently improve his shooting, which he's done already in the last couple of years. And I think when he does that, uh, he's an awfully difficult guy to guard. Buddy Heald, of course, was another guy that we did coach. And, uh, and Buddy's uh, just a uh, – Buddy, uh, he's a terrific worker. You know, he's a guy more than maybe any player I've ever been around that would genuinely take on what he didn't do well and work to improve it. You know, he wanted to know, how can I get better? And most guys will go to the gym and, uh, as you know, and, and work on things they're comfortable doing. You know, Buddy would go to the gym and, and not only get up a lot of shots, but also work on what he didn't do particularly well. And, uh, and he'll continue to get better because of that attitude. That's a very insightful point. A, a lot of players get comfortable working on 
what is already their strengths as opposed to trying to, to shore up some weaknesses. And I've had a number of college coaches on this podcast, and I've asked them a similar question as what I'm going to ask you now. During the COVID pandemic, when everything has been shut down, a lot of college coaches have had a chance to, to sit back and rethink much of their career and some of their philosophies. Have you had a chance to do that, or what do you look to implement differently maybe this upcoming season? Dan, I think every year we try to, to make progress. We try to, to, you know, improve on some things that maybe we didn't do the year before, whether it be from a coaching perspective or uh, I think the main thing that we've continued to change uh, is uh, maybe our attitude toward practice. You know, it's not so much about uh, learning plays as, uh, uh, as much as learning to play. So we try to get as many reps in practice of putting our guys in position to attack a long closeout or to uh, set a better screen and roll harder. Regardless of the play that we're running, we want them to execute the, the, the details of it uh, and, and just play basketball. Because, uh, again, as you know, basketball is about uh, taking advantage of mismatches and putting your guys in position to attack mismatches and then finish plays. It's one thing to know where to go, but it's another thing to, to be uh, effective in, in – finishing the play at the rim. Yeah, that's something that uh, I stress with, with my son's team. Granted, he's, he's much younger still. He's not quite in high school. But reading and reacting to the game in opportunities as opposed to just running a set play, I think that's so vital at any level. And I think when, when players understand that, it opens the game up to be played more freely. You've coached in a number of the really big-time leagues at the college level. You were – in, at Florida in the SEC, and you got them to a Final Four. You were at Kansas State in the Big 12. You're currently in the Big 12 with Oklahoma. In your view, what is the toughest basketball conference in the country? Because right now I look at the Big 12, and it's a head-scratcher. I mean, you guys are very good. You got Baylor, who's a preseason top three. Kansas is seemingly is always in the top ten. Where do you feel the Big 12 lies in the power conferences in, in college basketball? Dan, Big 12 has been really good for, for a lot of years. And, uh, and I think always uh, the, uh, the, the answer to that is, is, is probably whatever conference you're in, you feel like that's the, the, the best one. Uh, but Big 12 uh, statistically ranked up there in the last uh, decade for sure as, uh, as good a conference as there is in the country. But every year it seems to be every couple of years a different conference might come up and, and uh, be a little stronger for a year or two. But uh, Big 12 consistently has been among the best. I want to go back a little bit to your upbringing and your youth playing experience. Did a little bit of uh, digging around on the internet, and I learned a couple things about you, Coach, that I didn't know. Obviously, as mentioned, uh, you were my first head coach in the pros. We had a chance to, to, to get to know each other a little bit. I knew you were a tremendous player at Kansas State, but I didn't realize and recognize that you played a year of minor league baseball, and you also had a quarterback trial for the Dallas Cowboys. That is something that isn't necessarily commonplace these days because of sports specialization at such a young age. When you're out recruiting athletes, do you look towards a well-rounded experience as a youth athlete? And then how did your experience kind of mold and shape you? I think, Dan, given that, uh, that I was in a graduating class of 35 in high school, so uh, the guys played whatever sport was in season. So given that background, um, 
you know, we certainly encourage guys that we're recruiting or even guys that come to college and want to play uh, maybe, you know, uh, football or, or baseball or whatever the case might be. Football, basketball is a pretty tough combination. Basketball, baseball, a little bit more so, uh, you know, maybe uh, a, a, an event in track. You know, we've had uh, guys uh, over the 35, 40 years, you know, participate in, in more than one, more than just basketball. And, and we've never, we've never discouraged that. We, uh, we like recruiting guys that have uh, got that experience coming out of high school. Guys have played some football, guys have played other sports. I, uh, I think that's only a positive. As you said, uh, seems like kids specialize now more than ever before. They start, you know, determining in seventh, eighth grade that they're going to go this direction. Uh, and that's a little bit, uh, Saddening, if you will, because I think there's so much to be gained by uh, playing more than uh, than one sport. A lot of times, people, you know, think there are more injuries because there's just uh, you know, kids playing one sport and not that cross training that maybe uh, comes as a result of playing in more than one sport. So, how about your experience then, <coughs> the ability to play minor league baseball and then get a tryout with the Cowboys at quarterback? Was there a particular sport that you enjoyed the most out of those? Or did you just know that basketball was probably your best opportunity uh, maybe to advance your own career athletically? Yeah, Dan, I grew up with baseball was always the first love. You know, my dad was a, you know, he was kind of a semi-pro baseball player at a young age. And, and that was his first love. He coached all of our, I was the oldest of six kids, um, you know, growing up. And he coached all of our guys, uh, all the brothers, summer league teams, uh, bouncing all over from diamond to diamond. So baseball was always the first love. Um, you know, then played uh, baseball, basketball in college. Uh, uh, you know, the tryout with the Cowboys is a little bit exaggerated because what they were doing at that point, they'd come to campus and work you out. It wasn't like I went to a camp and, uh, and worked out. Uh, but uh, they did come to campus, they'd time you, and they'd, you know, put you through some drills. And they did, you know, Cowboys were kind of ahead of the game in doing that uh, at campuses throughout the country, but uh, did uh, did enjoy that football. Loved uh, probably the uh, loved playing football. Uh, Friday night football was probably as enjoyable as anything. Enjoyed practicing basketball more than anything else. So loved them all though. Loved them all. Still a huge baseball fan and uh, enjoy watching football uh, on TV as well. But uh, but I think that uh, uh, cross training was something that uh, I uh, enjoyed a lot. When you look at your two Final Four teams, 1994 with Florida and 2016 with Oklahoma, it was one more sweeter than the other. Maybe the, maybe the first because it was your first or the second because there was a, a big gap in between the two. And a lot of times you don't know if you're ever going to get back to, you know, the pinnacle of your sport. Yeah, hard, hard to claim one more than the other. Uh, the first, of course um, – uh, was special because you don't uh, really realize what it's all about until you get there. Yeah, everyone wants to get there, and then when you do, and that was also the first one in the, in Florida basketball history. So the fans there really jumped on board, and uh, they were great. And uh, the satisfaction on the, the faces of the player, of course, is what makes it always uh, most enjoyable. And then uh, in, in 16, uh, uh, with Buddy Hill and uh, Isaiah Cousins, Ryan Spangler, uh, you know that that group was uh, very very special because they uh, they uh, buddy was just a special leader Ryan and, and Isaiah were as well and again the fans uh, uh, you know jumped on board 
you know, then as well. But uh, again, as you know, uh, the, the, the real joy and uh, to you as a parent is, is seeing your kids enjoy and your kids get satisfaction out of anything they accomplish. And that, that's the way it is as a coach. You enjoy seeing the players, uh, you know, really feel good and, and, and great satisfaction out of accomplishing something special. Yeah, as a parent myself, and my son is starting to really get into it. And I do coach, but it is hard to coach uh, without looking at the parent lens because when, when my son makes a big play, I get excited and proud. But I have to kind of tailor it down to not show too much excitement because you're, you're, I'm pulling for him. We want him to do his best. You had success at the college level. You decide to go to the NBA. And for any coach, that's an adjustment because I, nobody knows the jump. And the difference, it's the same game, or sorry, it's the same sport, but it's a completely different game, college to the NBA. What was the learning curve for you like getting to the NBA and having to um, really learn a new game? Because quite frankly, I was blown away those first couple months. It's like drinking out of a fire hose, how much information you have to take in. You know the game, you think you know the game, but it's just different in the NBA. What was that transition like for you? It was a huge transition. Um, you know, I was at a time uh, at the University of Illinois at that time, and my wife and I had, had talked about uh, what well, we were, I guess, 48 years old and and uh, about we'd been doing nothing but coach basketball. We said, uh, you know, maybe there's something else we, we look to be doing. And, and just coincidentally, that opportunity came up at that time. So we jumped the NBA. And I was very naive. You know, if I, uh, I look back and it's embarrassing how naive I was. In, in terms of uh, thinking everyone's on the same page and we're all going to work together. And, and I wasn't nearly aggressive enough with the front office. Uh, uh, as I look back on it, uh, you, you guys were kind of cheated by my, by my time there is the way I look at it because I didn't fight hard enough, you know, to, to, to get things that we needed to get done. But uh, the great experience, uh, you know, appreciated the opportunity, uh, met great people, uh, relationships like this uh, years later as a result of that, but, uh, but I didn't do a very good job. And uh, if, if I was younger, I'd like to do it again to, to improve on what I learned from that occasion. Of course, uh, the timing's not uh, going to allow for that. But, uh, but enjoyed the experience and, and learned a lot from it, was humbled by it in, in a healthy way, and uh, hopefully have improved as a result of it. You know, the honesty there is, is impressive. And one thing I do uh, appreciate about our short time together in Atlanta. And, and quite frankly, you might not believe this, and the people that are listening to this might be baffled. You are the only coach in the NBA that took my wife and I out, we were newly married at the time, to dinner to get to know each other. That, is, that, that, that blows people's mind when they learn that the NBA, after practice, people just go their own separate ways because essentially it's 15 guys as your own business and the cohesiveness maybe that, that you spoke of in the previous question is very hard to replicate at the NBA level like the college level. And so, Coach, I do want to say thank you for taking my wife and I out to dinner and, and trying to get to know us a little bit all these years later. Staying on that kind of relationship aspect, you go back to the college game. Was it a breath of fresh air to get back into – uh, a setting where you have more of the control about who you recruit and the philosophy and the culture that you create? Certainly more familiar turf. Uh, if, if, uh, again, like you said, it's, uh, NBA is a different world. It's, it's, uh, um, you know, I learned a lot in that uh, couple, three years 
that we were there, but um, uh, didn't really able wasn't able to put what I learned into effect at the NBA level. But I think I probably appreciated uh, our comfort zone at the at the college level. Uh, the, you know, it's so much about relationships, so much about earning trust of your players, uh, so they'll listen uh, a little bit more, uh, you know, clearly and and uh, work on making progress. You know, in college, everyone wants to get to the NBA, but they're also still hungry to to listen and learn and and uh, you know make those uh, steps. They're young people; they're uh, still developing off the court as well as on the court. And uh, the timing of, of getting them at that point in their life and in their career uh, probably fit us a little bit better. The, one of the hot button topics in college basketball these days is, is transfers. And there's a, a crazy amount of transfers every single year, whether it's just because they're unhappy with their situation or there's an injury or now they graduate early and they can do what's called grad transfer. Your son, Kevin, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the first to take advantage of the grad transfer rule and play for you while you were at UNLV and he finished up at Arizona State. How did you understand how that loophole was going to work and that it would work for your guys' situation? And then now, how do you see that grad transfer rule all these years later impacting the game? Yeah. Kevin actually uh, was uh, at Arizona State, uh, for four years, and then his coach there got fired. <clears throat> and the timing was such that it was the first year of the uh, uh, grad transfer rule. And uh, Kevin called, and I hadn't even been thinking about it, and, and said, hey, I'm without a coach, and, uh, and uh, you guys need a point guard, which we had a really good team the year that he was at UNLV. And, and uh, what do you think? And I said, well, you got to work that out with a new coach that comes in, which was uh, Herb Sindek. And Herb was fantastic with him. He said, hey, if you got a chance to go play with your dad and you guys are going to have a good team up there, uh, you know, we'll support that. So I was very, very considerate of, uh, of Herb. And it was a great year from a, from a father-son standpoint. Uh, we uh, won 30 games. Uh, we had a really good team coming back, but we didn't have a point guard. So uh, the guys were, you know, embraced Kevin when he came in. Of course, he had been there in the summertime. Uh, the previous four years playing with our guys uh, out of season. And so they knew each other very well. So it worked out well. Uh, now as it relates to the, you know, next year, next couple of years, there's going to be so many changes in college basketball. I think three years from now, we, we can't even imagine what it's going to look like. Next year, you've got the immediate eligibility. Anyone can transfer anytime. And it doesn't have to be a grad transfer anymore. Uh, you've got now the, uh, uh, this current year with COVID, a lot of, you know, still, still conjecture is that the, all the athletes are going to be given an additional year of eligibility. Then you add on that the name image likeness that's coming into play next year. It's uh, unimaginable what it's going to look like and how chaotic it's going to be. And unfortunately, I, I think the people that are really going to come out of it on the short end of it are the student athletes. Because they're going to be, their minds are going to be all over the place. You know, you can imagine if you can transfer and be eligible anywhere, anytime, you know, in January when, when half your roster is not happy with their role, they're not happy with their playing time, you know, they're listening to their uncles, they're listening to their summer, summertime coach, you know, hey, get out of there, you know, it's going to be chaos. And, and it's unfortunate uh, that we can't have a better plan. I agree with it. It's going to be chaos. And, and unfortunately, it's partly going to be that way because of today's society is – 
You want success now as opposed to, you know what, I'm going to go through the struggles. I'm going to learn. I'm going to improve so that when my true opportunity comes, I'm ready to, to, to make the most of it. And I hope that there's enough college coaches very similar to yourself that are able to uh, explain and share that and really impress that upon the players, the coaches, the parents uh, of these young student athletes so that they don't make a mistake and leave a situation that in the long run would be the best for them because the, the turmoil in college basketball, I think, is going to unfortunately hurt a lot of players. I want to stay on the topic of your son, Kevin, having played for you. How proud of you are the fact that he is following your, in your footsteps and forging his own path as a college basketball coach? I, I've covered a number of teams um, during my broadcasting work where he's been an assistant over the past few years, and we've had a chance to have a few conversations here and there. And it seems as though he's kind of uh, on a track to becoming a head coach in the near future. How proud are you of him that he's following your footsteps and what type of advice do you give him? Well, I'm proud that he's doing something he loves to do. Uh, if it was coaching basketball or anything else, uh, you know, he and his wife, Allie, uh, they've got a, a daughter that's, uh, you know, be one next week, uh, actually. And uh, I'm proud that uh, he's, he's a great parent. He's a great husband. Uh, he treats people uh, with a great deal of respect. Uh, people like him. Uh, that makes me feel good. You know, whether he's coaching basketball or anything else, I think, uh, you know, he'd be successful at whatever because he uh, is, is very respectful and, and very thoughtful and kind and, and considerate of others. So uh, that, that makes me, as a parent, as you know, that makes me more proud than, uh, than the fact that he's coaching basketball. I think the fact that he enjoys that and does that well, uh, that's a bonus. But uh, I like the fact that he's a great, uh, great husband and, and uh, a great father. All the years in basketball as a, as a college head coach with a tremendous amount of success, uh, a stint in the NBA, you've had a chance to, to see some uh, unbelievable players up close and in person, whether you played against them, whether you prepared to coach against them, or you coached them. Is there one player that stands out to you that had the total package that, man, this guy has unbelievable work ethic. He's got a, a character that he plays the game the right way. And he's super skilled and it all leads to a common goal and a win or a championship. Well, you know, it'd be impossible to, to pick out one. Uh, there's um, so many guys uh, go back to thinking of Rene Rougeau, who was a walk-on at UNLV and became a, a two-year starter and one of the more impactful players uh, that we've ever coached. And, uh, you know, uh, the progress he made and, and the attitude that he had. Mitch Richmond, on the other hand, you know, the NBA uh, many-time All-Star and Hall of Famer, you know, and uh, so proud of him for a different reason. Buddy Heald, you know, uh, just a great attitude, loved by everyone on campus and associated with OU because he was so genuine and, and worked so hard. Uh, again, uh, you go down the list a, a long way, and, and again, I certainly didn't mean to omit anyone by naming just three or four but, uh, but a lot of, you know, I can go on, name a dozen guys probably for different reasons, you know, not just because they were good players, but because they maybe made the most of their abilities or maybe they were great leaders from an attitude standpoint. Uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, being a great teammate is something that uh, has high value uh, in this game and not always uh, 
uh, the most talented players the best teammates. But those guys that are great teammates are the ones that uh, we probably feel uh, closer closer to than anyone else. Tremendous answer, and that is so true. There are so many times guys that maybe don't statistically have the most impact on the game, but this behind-the-scenes um, ability to pull guys in the, po- in the positive direction uh, for the same common goal and to win that, that have the most impact or create the most lasting memories down the road. So I appreciate you joining. I appreciate those words. It's been nice to, to have a chance to sit but granted, it's on the computer face-to-face and hear a little bit more about your experiences. I know we've texted here and there over the years, but really appreciate you joining, Coach. It's been great uh, to share some experience and memories with you today. Uh, thanks, Dan. Uh, the best uh, your wife and kids, and uh, have a great time. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks again for the ISO. It's Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.